Welcome to Opt Outcast, an official podcast of the Opt Out Media Foundation. I'm Alex Koch, co-founder and executive director of the foundation, which oversees a free news aggregation app for exclusively independent, trustworthy news media. Opt Outcast features our excellent independent media outlets. In every episode, we'll interview the dedicated journalists whose outlets we admire so much that we invited them to join our network. Who are these outlets? What's their latest big story, and how did they produce it? That's what we're here to find out at Opt Outcast. On this edition of Opt Outcast, our climate editor, Christian Salazar, speaks with Eric Holthaus, the founder of weather and climate news site Currently, about his publication and its new focus, an intentional, safe online community and Twitter alternative they call Project Mushroom. But first, let me tell you a little more about Opt Out. At OptOut, you'll get a complete news experience that's 100% free from the corporate media narratives that dominate our discourse. With over 175 independent news outlets on board, we bring you an honest, refreshing media ecosystem you can't find anywhere else. Find out more about the OptOut app at optout.news and sign up for our free newsletters. We depend on your support not ads, corporate contributions, or venture capital, so you can have a quality, curated news experience. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation today, which you can do on our website at optout.news support. Thank you so much. All right, so I was going to start with currently. Okay. Um, so currently it's called a weather service for the climate emergency and it brings together weather reports in various cities and also news reports uh, about the climate crisis. Uh, what was the vision behind the platform and, and where are you going with it? Yeah. So I think that, you know, as we've seen in recent years, um, climate uh, extreme events are escalating. Um, there are, um, you know, marginalized folks that are experiencing the brunt of, of the, the harm when it comes to climate change. Um, I think it's pretty clear at this point that, um, you know, existing weather services are not doing enough to specifically focus on folks who are most at risk when it comes to weather and climate. Um, and, um, at the same time, we're also missing this opportunity when it comes to climate journalism as a whole of telling, um, sort of compelling community driven stories about possibility, um, you know, solutions journalism as at a local level, um, and, Checking the weather is something that almost all of us do every day. So we um, decided to create currently as a way for folks to enter into climate conversations through daily weather. Um, and we've seen a huge jump in in our services being used during extreme events like um, the hurricanes in Florida this year. Um, we... Um, are working we were working with some frontline organizations um 
like the Miami Climate Alliance um, to give them um, sort of daily updates on the weather for their uh, for their people um, that they work with, as well as we had um, John Morales, who is a well-known um, meteorologist and climate expert in the Miami area, doing publicly facing daily updates on hurricanes as they were happening with uh, the framing around um, climate change and how folks can can not only keep themselves safe and their community safe, but also create a vision of what we can do together at the same time. So that's kind of like a good example of what we're trying to do um, as a whole, to build an actual weather service that focuses on, you know, sharing weather updates um, in good days and bad days to people wherever they are. And you have on on the team there, you have meteorologists as well as reporters, journalists, um, right? Is that right? Yeah. Yep. We have two full time meteorologists right now. Um, both are fluent in Spanish, um, and um, um, both, um, you know, have family, um, that have directly experienced climate disasters. Um, we have, um, people, I think 35 cities, something like that right now, where we have, um, you know, artists, writers, journalists, um, meteorologists, weather nerds <laughs> there on the ground writing every day about their local weather and putting it in context for for the community themselves so this is really like local weather journalism interesting and so how does it how do you tell a weather story with a lens of climate change how does it differ from your typical news report? yeah i mean i think it's just like saying whatever what's on everyone's mind i think that um you know our Colo our colorado reporter um, just talks about the drought almost every day because it's on people's mind. Um, it's not something to skirt around. It's not something to just sort of pretend that it doesn't exist. Um, it's a life and death situation for folks already. Um, and the more that we talk about it, the more we're going to be able to be thinking about um, how to to create some systemic change around around it. Um, at the same time, like we're not we're intentionally trying to have two focuses one on safety but one also on joy so people are experiencing um we you know we send out weather alerts when we have nice days coming as well you know like so so it's it's something that people can um uh you know there's some fatigue when people are are thinking about climate every single day so right. <clears throat> i think that's what we're intentionally trying to to pass uh pass around so it's not all climate doom right <laughs> and um so i i saw you you did a lot of great reporting on cop 27 um what did you personally think of like the outcome of of this year's UN conference um i think that it's positive in the sense that um you know there's an agreement on loss and damage but there's been agreements like this before and it all comes down to you know rich countries paying their fair share so um so i think that that's a positive step but um you know we have um our reporter uh anna abraham um is based in mumbai and they 
um, were there talking with people from around the world, um, interviewing them about what loss and damage means to them. Um, and, um, and it's clear, like, you know, we're going to do the best we can to try to personalize this issue and make it, um, make it not something that lives at like a Excel spreadsheet level, but this is actual people experiencing actual harm via the weather, right? Like primarily weather events is what cause harm in climate change. So, you know, sea level rise, um, doesn't come gradually over a hundred years. That's what we've kind of been told happens, but it more likely comes in a few 10 or 12 storms, um, over the span of those hundred years. And every time it, it destroys your house, like your house is going to get destroyed 12 times over those, over those hundred years, not just once. So, um, so that's kind of like, we talk about, you know, the feelings and, um, nuance that comes with that. Right. And so currently right now, just in the U S right. We, we actually have newsletters in, um, Australia, Canada, uh, Dominican Republic, um, and Spain as well. And we're launching one in London, um, in the next couple weeks. And, and what are, what are your ambitions for the platform? Is it to be global? Yeah, ideally, ideally, you know, it's wherever we have um, the perfect mix of a person who's a compelling writer, as well as um, support from the community itself. um, In the form of, you know, like, local organizations that we can partner with or something like that. Mm, Okay. So, um, so why do you think it is that we don't hear more meteorologists talking about climate change? impacts on television and the new- I mean this has been ongoing for a long time in the sense that like um as we've been building currently and realizing more and more how much um sort of the big uh TV networks or the local local TV station ownership groups have a direct control over the meteorologists themselves like they're under very restrictive no compete clauses they can't really talk about things without having it passed through their management so i feel like that's really been way overly conservative when it comes to talking about things like climate change like people like people in those positions still consider climate change to be a sort of like hot button controversial issue, but really like the polling shows that something like 80 to 90% of people agree that we need to have climate action. Um, so it's not, it's, it's like all of the controversy has gone to the fringe at this point. You're not going to lose people by talking about climate change. I don't think people want to know how to help. Well, we've all been watching what's going on in Twitter with yeah. um, with uh, it seeming to implode under Elon Musk, and you know a lot of people worrying about climate Twitter and um, about the return of climate change denialists like Jordan Peterson. Um, but you have a solution, right? Um, you've you're working on Project Mushroom. Can you tell me a little bit about that so that people can get to great? Know- 
Yeah. So um, the idea is that to do the work that that we need to do to preserve the networks that we have built over the years on Twitter, um, whether that's journalists or activists or just regular folks who come to Twitter as a news source, um, we we need a place to go um, if we don't feel safe on Twitter anymore because of climate denial, because of billionaire you know ambitions that are changing day by day. Um, I, you know, what we're trying to do with Project Mushroom is to build a life raft for climate Twitter and in generally, um, folks who are focused on justice. So we have a big subsection of abolitionist Twitter as well, um, that have joined. We have, um, you know, I was talking the other day with, uh, a person who runs a network of public defenders across the country. Like they want to they're they're focusing on decriminalization of of marijuana you know these are these are people that are doing on the ground work every day and they want to be able to have a, a space to talk about what work they do and to share resources and to communicate and build momentum for projects like that's the kind of place that needs to be safe and protected um and under community control. So that's the big thing is that we are creating this space. Um, we've put it under control of a of a very loose coalition of, you know, like two or three hundred people who um were, you know, people re- that that referred their networks, you know, early adopters, um, as well as basically anyone who wants to be let in, um, that, that are focusing, you know, journalists to kind of like together as a group come up with what should exist and we'll do our best to try to build it. So right now we have paid moderation. That was a direct request from the the community. Um, as far as I know, we're the only Mastodon based social media platform that has paid moderation right now. Um, we are also, um, trying to roll things out slowly. Um, we have a wait list of about 30,000 people right now. Um, so we're inviting people as we have bandwidth and as, um, the community kind of gels on what it is that they, the tone that they want to build for themselves. Um, we're also, creating kind of like a a structure where you know mastodon is complex to learn um it's difficult to know who you are talking to or invited into your space um so we right now have locked down the entire space it's only people who have been directly invited by us um and um we are in the process of launching kind of a middle ground space. So where if there are folks that want a wider platform or a wider audience or interact with a wider um, array of people that they can do that, but at the same time, preserve our um, safety uh, of folks who want extra safety. Um, So that to me, it feels like this is a good structure for a way forward that social media could exist. Um, going forward over the next three months, depending on, you know, resources and staffing, we're also planning to build out no cost services for creators for like hosting their newsletter or hosting their podcast or 
maybe not even hosting it, but just connecting all of these um, these creators together in this network so that we can prom- cross-promote each other and share each other's work. Um, in that sense, um, it becomes a sort of like solutions journalism network. Oh, that's great. That's great. Look forward to it. Um, what do you, I mean, what do you think about the state of climate journalism at this point? I mean, you've been in this, covering this beat for a long time now. And you're sort of an icon in this. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think that um, climate journalism right now is honestly, um, it's been amazing. You know, there are people that it's not, it's not like a fringe thing anymore that it was like even 10 years ago. I think that, um, you know, all of the major newspapers are, are growing their climate teams. Um it's a place where I think people are realizing that um, that um, this is something, like I said, this appeals to a wide range of people. It's not just like an ultra extreme leftist viewpoint, right? To ask for climate action. It's, it's like a main, it's a mainstream thing now. It was in, I mean, it was one of the top four priorities of Joe Biden's presidential campaign, right? So like climate change is a major mainstream issue now where that wasn't true 10 years ago. Um, So I think that every story is a climate story or can be a climate story or should be a climate story in some way. Um, And I think that there are, there are, there is room to pitch those um, stories now. Um, yeah, I, like <clears throat> my idea going forward is that I would like to create a place where um, people feel comfortable building their own personal brands on climate journalism. Um, ideally, at the local level, even like we should have, um, you know, independent New York City based climate journalists that are just covering stuff that the New York times doesn't want to cover, for example. Um, And we should have a place for people to support those folks. So um, that's kind of my vision is having, you know, affiliations with uh, project mushroom to where you can control your, um, your space and be community funded. Oh, very cool. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about that myself about how, there's no local in different cities. I mean, most cities don't have any local climate journalism effort. You know, there's like a couple out there, like the Texas climate news or something. But yeah, there's like a real lack of local coverage. And like Scalawag or there's some places in the South or in Louisiana I can think of like, there's a few, but not, but not a ton. Right. Right. So yeah, that, that sounds great. I mean, I think that'd be great. What do you think of, um, speaking of the Biden administration, what do you think of their record on climate at this point with the Inflation Reduction Act and the infrastructure bill? And Yeah, there, there are some tools in the Inflation Reduction Act that I think will be like, particularly for some kind of like fringy things that may not have happened on their own, like hydrogen. Um, there are some game-changing things um, that that happened. Um and I think having the sort of like 10 year 
policy certainty for renewables is going to be super important. You know, we're not going to hopefully ever have that year to year funding uncertainty ever again, hopefully with, um, with funding um, wind and solar. So um, those things are super important to have. Um, I think that um, you know, it's hard to do what they did with 50 votes in the Senate, but they figured it out um, in that mm-hmm. sense. Like they did probably the best that they could have done under the circumstances. Um, it was definitely not enough, but you know, it's never, I feel like it's never going to be enough until you get, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's 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 really hard to to do what needs to be done on the scale that it needs to be done with the political situation the way it is. So, um, and I'm not a policy expert, so I don't know how to do it any better. So, um, <laughs> but I know that it exceeded my expectations. I would say, yeah, yeah, good, good. Um, I guess last thing is, um, you people have described you as a climate optimist, I guess, because of the book you wrote uh, in 2020 or that came out in 2020. Yep. Read it before then. Is that how you would consider yourself? Are you? I think that um, to me, like realism about climate change means that you have to, for, for me, at least personally, I have to believe that transformational change will happen or else there's not really any point to continue doing this work. Like I can't legitimately devote my life to an issue if I don't think it's going to work. Right. Like, um, so I mean, I have to, I have to personally be as ambitious as I'm asking other folks to be. Um, at the same time, I also have to, um, take breaks and form community and like get support for myself. Um, through friends and family, um, going on, like, you know, this weekend I went, I was super stressed, (laughs) at uh, with all of the stuff happening with currently. Um, and I was like, I just did a one hour snowshoe in the park. Um, and it was just what I needed, right? Like you can't like burnout is super real. And I think that I, I, my one wish is I wish that climate journalists where people in the climate space would be able to kind of confront um, the sort of like grief and anxiety and complications of doing this work and build more like um, intentional community with each other. So um, this is not just a regular journalism job. Like this is something that feels like, super high stake. I mean, like I've heard it compared to like war reporting before where, where you, you don't just like get stationed in, um, in like South Sudan or something like that and, and be a reporter there without like having a support network to, to do, to be able to do your work. So, so I think that that's what, you know, as employers and as writers, um we should be advocating for cool well you're writing you're you're trying to raise money for project mushroom i understand um 
So people we, should. Yeah, we do have a Kickstarter that ends on December 15th um, for, for Project Mushroom. Um, we also just, um, in general, we are, um, um, we are, I think it's like 75% of our funding comes directly from members right now. And the rest from like-minded climate organizations who are advertising for us, like, like, um, yeah, I don't know. I can't even think of one right off the top, but, but like we have a very strict, um, advertising, um, policy that we only allow like, um, mission driven organizations to advertise for us. So like that's our entire funding source. And so we're trying to do this the best way possible, um, and run by the community. So like we need everyone's help because we're doing this all together. Right. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. Um, yeah. Really excited to post it. I'll put an excerpt in the newsletter and then we'll probably do like a audio podcast excerpt. Um, awesome. For, yeah, um, that's super exciting. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, have a great day and and um, hope you get to go snowshoeing again soon. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I saw that you're already in the Project Mushroom space. Um, have you yeah. had a chance to look at around a little bit? Uh, just a little bit. Um, I'm like, I, I'm trying to get my bearings on, on Mastodon. I'm kind of like, I'm not sure exactly how it works yet, but right. I need to poke around some more. So we're, our our hope is that like we're still like there's about like a three or four step guidance that we need to get through um, to everyone to say like here here are the three things you need to do to get fully set up, and it's just going to require repetition for us of saying like you know we just started this we started the Kickstarter November fifth. Um, we launched the website like November 14th. Like this is like happened in the last three weeks. Like it's really like we're building like a complete Twitter, like uh, clone basically in three weeks. So with a staff of like nine people. So, um, I'm just hoping that the funding will come through, um, so that we can keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I hope so. Um, that's always the hard thing. Right. Well, um, well, good luck with everything, and um, I'll be in touch on, um, you know, on uh, Project Mushroom, I guess. Awesome. Cool. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. Audio editing by Alex Koch. Original theme music by Direwolf. Published by Opt Out News. And don't forget to sign up for OptOut's free newsletters and download the OptOut app, aggregating financially independent, trustworthy news from over 175 outlets. Read, watch, and listen to the best of independent media. No native ads, no algorithms, no profit motive, just news curated by journalists. Find out more at optout.news.